You're listening to Minimalish, a podcast where we talk about simplifying our stuff, our lives, our motherhood, all in a realistic way so that we can make room for what matters. We're not here for perfectly tidy homes or seeing how much we can possibly declutter. We're here for living with less, realistically. It's going to look different for all of us, but we're not really focused on how our version of minimalism looks anyways. We're focused on how it feels. I'm your host, Desiree. I'm a mom to two and on my own journey of living with a little less clutter so I can have more space for an intentional life. I'm no expert, and I like to think of this as a corner of the internet where we're learning and growing together. So let's walk towards a more simple and intentional life. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back to Minimalish. I am so excited to be bringing you a guest episode today all about mindset shifts that can help us really declutter and let go and release our stuff without feeling guilty or tripped up in the process on whatever it is that is keeping us from letting go. So I have Dawn Madsen as my guest today. You may know her as the Minimal Mom, especially on YouTube, where she shares all about minimalism and decluttering and letting go of stuff. Dawn and her family have been minimalists for over eight years. She's passionate about the message of simple living, and she reaches over 1 million women each month on YouTube, sharing practical tips to simplify and declutter. She's the friend you turn to when you're overwhelmed with your stuff and want to free up more space and time for what matters most. She lives with her husband, Tom, and four kids just outside of Twin Cities in Minnesota. So she is going to talk a little bit more about her journey today, and then she's going to give us a ton of really practical tips to help us shift our mindset in some different areas of our home, like our kitchen and our kids' areas and our kids' stuff in general, especially when it comes to like sentimental things and their toys. And then she's just going to give us some overall mindset shifts that can help us let go of the things. So if you've ever felt like you struggle to let go of stuff, like something is just getting in the way, this episode is for you. Even after five years of decluttering, these mindset shifts that Dawn shared today even hit me, especially in the kitchen, because for some reason I struggle to declutter in the kitchen. My kitchen is not very cluttered, but I do need to let go a little bit more in the kitchen now that I have moved into a space with a smaller kitchen. So I just loved her advice for the kitchen. I love all of her advice today. I've learned a lot from Dawn in my early days of decluttering. And like I said, I'm still learning from her now. I'm honored to have her on the show today. I know you'll love Dawn too, if you don't already know her and love her. So let's dive into today's conversation. All right, Dawn, I am so excited and honored to have you on the show today. Could you just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Well, I'm Dawn. I go by the minimal mom. If we haven't met before, I'm married to Tom and we have four kids ages eight through 13. And I found minimalism about eight years ago. And um, I, over the course of a year, I got rid of about 80% of our stuff. Probably now we've probably gotten rid of about 90%. And I have not looked back. It has made our life so much better, so much easier, more enjoyable. And so now I share all my favorite tips and tricks for decluttering on YouTube. We have over 700 videos there to help you declutter faster. 
Yeah, I love all that you share. You just have a wealth of knowledge available um, for anyone who kind of needs help or just encouragement along their journey. And that's kind of what I want to focus on today uh, in our conversation is just kind of encouraging someone who might be struggling Mm -hmm. with getting over some mental blocks that might get in the way of decluttering, Mm -hmm. whether it's at the beginning of their journey, which I think is often when those mental blocks pop up. But I think, you know, they can pop up at at any time. Mm -hmm. I do want to hear, you talked a little bit about it. You said eight years ago is when you kind of learned about minimalism, but I want to hear a little bit more about your family's story. Um, Just like, what did life look like before minimalism for Mm -hmm. you all? I guess, what did did maybe your home look like versus after? Um, How did you discover it? All of that. Yeah. So if we went back like eight years, we had four kids ages four and under, um, which turns out is physically possible. (laughs) And so I am a very naturally messy person and my house reflected that. I was a stay-at-home mom and I had begun to feel actually really resentful towards being staying, towards staying home. I kind of remembered the days of working full time. And at least then I felt like I had an excuse to have a messy house because I was juggling so much. But now that I was a stay at home mom, I'm like, there is absolutely no excuse. But I would look at the toys on the floor. And I'm like, why would I pick them up when I'm just going to have to pick them up again tomorrow? And it was very defeating. Um, I didn't enjoy it. And then I felt bad about not enjoying it because I knew many moms who would love to be a stay at home mom. And so one day I was just on Pinterest and I think I was trying to find like a meal planning system or something. And I came across a podcast with Joshua Becker, who's a very well-known minimalist. And he just said those famous words of, do you know that you don't have to have all of this stuff? And as I was sat there and I listened to it, I'm like, no, Joshua, I, I did not know that. I didn't know that I don't have to have all this stuff. I thought I had all of this stuff that you have when you're running a household and you have young kids. Like I just thought that this is what motherhood looked like. And it was also around that same time when the message started coming out, like you'd like see the signs at Hobby Lobby that are like, good moms have sticky floors and messy kitchens and piles of laundry or whatever. Right. So, so it was kind of the same time when when it was like, no, it's okay to be a hot mess. And that's just what motherhood looks like. Right. And I just kept thinking like it, that if this is how it's supposed to be, why doesn't it feel better? Like letting myself off the hook didn't actually make my house feel better. Right. And so I, when I heard about minimalism, then I just like, I'm Googling it. I'm just like trying to figure out like, well, how far can we go? How many forks should we have? How many towels? Like, um, and eight years ago, there wasn't really a ton of information out there on it. And so I vowed, I was like, if I get my house decluttered, I am going to start a blog or something. And I'm going to tell everyone how many forks to have and how many towels to have. And so, um, I, the only thing I regret now is that I didn't really record the whole process of going through my stuff and getting rid of it. But I really, I thought I had to arrive before anyone would listen to me. And honestly, it was kind of an experiment in the beginning too. So, but good news is when you have four kids, uh, there's always more stuff coming in. So I've had lots of opportunities since then to, to go through the process again and to share it with others. Yeah. I, I love that you do share the process and you share that it is a journey along the way. Four kids under four is a lot. So I I am very curious to hear just kind of your advice in the kid area, which we will we will talk about a little bit. But I do want to talk about some mindset shifts today. I recently saw that you were um, talking about that 
in a video on your channel and it was like a really long one so i'm going to link it and refer <laughs> people to it because we're not going to have time to get to all of the different things that you talk about there and I, I think it would be really helpful um to to those that find this episode helpful to kind of go beyond that obviously when we start decluttering like we can get really excited about it and dive right in but then a lot of mindsets that we're holding on to from the past can get our mm -hmm. in our way like you said yeah. when you were listening to Josh Becker talk about you know mm -hmm. you don't did you know you don't have to have all this stuff we think that that's what a good mom is sometimes yeah. like mm -hmm. you have to have all the things for them right so what are some of the biggest mindset shifts that you've had with stuff mm -hmm. or that you've had to coach other women through yeah so the number one mindset shift that's helped me the most is to look at everything in our house as inventory that I have to manage. As women, most of us are like the chief inventory managers in our house, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I mean, our husbands can have their own type of inventory and everything, but really like uh, for me, at least I was managing my stuff. I was managing the kids stuff and I was managing the bulk of the household stuff as well. And it, it was helpful for me to look at it as inventory because it made it less personal because I realized over time that the piles of toys and laundry and dirty dishes were actually sending messages to me and were, were telling me that you're a bad mom, you're lazy, you're unmotivated, you're not a good wife. But really now when I look back, I wasn't any of those things. I wasn't lazy or unmotivated or unorganized. I was just trying to manage too much inventory. And we each have a different threshold for how much we can manage. And I think even in different seasons of life, we can manage more and less. I thought when we had four little kids, I thought, oh, this is probably my lowest point of how much inventory I can manage. But I am amazed now our kids are eight through 13 and I find myself getting rid of even more because I, I feel like I have even less time now. It's a different type of busy, right? Um, but I'm just like, I have no time for, for anything extra. And so if we can shift how we're looking at this stuff, then it makes it a little bit easier to part with it too, because you know the gifts we've gotten, the sentimental stuff, we'll talk about kids stuff. Um, we, we just can't keep it all. We can't manage that much inventory and have a house that is something that we can keep tidy and stay on top of. Yeah, that that is so true and such a good way to look at it. Really, I think, talked about something that so many of us feel, and that is the negative messages that our mess sends us. So I want to talk about the kitchen because, yeah. like you said, dishes. I know when I walk into my kitchen and it is clean, like it gives me such peace. Yeah. And I think when the dishes are piled high and when, you know, the counters are sticky and food is everywhere and stuff is everywhere, that that does send us a message if we are like the main managers of the kitchen. So I want to hear some of the mindset shifts that have helped you declutter the kitchen, mm -hmm. because I think that it's a space that can easily feel cluttered up. We can easily feel like, oh, we need like yep. all the different things that do the different things. So what are some mindset shifts um, for the kitchen? Yeah, kitchens can be tricky because the stuff we have in there is usually we don't even think about the stuff we bring into our kitchen. It's the stuff we registered for, for our wedding. It's the things we thought we needed that our mom had. It's we went to a pampered chef party and we got something. It's the gadget we bought off Amazon because someone made it look really good on Instagram, right? It's the takeout, the plastic cups the kids get at the restaurants and the, you know, the plastic containers lunch meat comes in. And so 
there's all this stuff in there. And for most of us, we haven't actually put much thought into it. And so, and so we have to look past the things we think we should have in our kitchen. And for me, I look at my kitchen now and say, I want it to serve me. So what season of life are you in right now? Are you doing gourmet cooking? Are you doing lots of baking? Or are you doing like survival cooking? <laughs> like for me, I'm like, oh my goodness, one night's Taekwondo and then the next night is youth and then the next night is something else, right? And even though we are so careful not to overload our schedule, it just still seems like there's always stuff going on now that with the ages that our kids are. And so I am doing very quick cooking and very consistent. Like I do not apologize for making the same things over and over again, because I don't have extra bandwidth right now to be trying new recipes and, and all those different things. So what that looked like for me then is I removed extra serving dishes. I wasn't using, I'm not doing fancy serving or having, you know, dinner parties. Um, we don't have any kind of like China or stemware in our kitchen, extra baking dishes. Like I, I don't use casserole dishes or, or things like that. Baking pans, um, the gadgets like and, and small appliances. Like if you are not cooking bread right now, your bread maker probably shouldn't take up valuable inventory or valuable real estate in your kitchen. And so it was being really honest about are these items in my kitchen serving me right now? Meaning am I using them and they're adding value or are they in here? Cause I feel kind of guilty. I spent money on them. I think I should be using it. I think I should be using the Ninja blender every morning to make a smoothie so that I'm healthy. But we know that the truth is just having the blender in the cupboard isn't going to make us healthier, right? And so being willing to say, this doesn't match my current season of life. So I'm either going to declutter it and let it go, or I might just decide to move it out of the kitchen. Like for me, I keep some overflow stuff in our basement so I can still get to it when I do need it. But day in, day out, I need my kitchen to function so well and not be over full. Otherwise it gets messy. I don't cook in it. It stresses me out and we end up going to McDonald's instead of making dinner. Yeah, we just moved and I have a lot less like countertop space in my kitchen, even though it's kind of a bigger kitchen. It's just weird. Mm -hmm. It's just how it works out. And so I've realized that, okay, wow, I I don't like things on my countertops. Mm -hmm. I know that. So now I'm reevaluating what I what I have, even though it's all mm -hmm. things that I in the last house decided I can keep this. Like yeah. I I do use it. I've had to reevaluate it even more mm -hmm. because space is a boundary. Mm -hmm. And I think space is a huge boundary in the kitchen. I know for me, though, in the kitchen, I struggle with things like a bread maker or, mm -hmm. well, I don't have a bread maker, but I'm yes. just, that's like, you know, it, general like uh, gadgets, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I've always struggled a little bit. It, it's a little extra harder for some reason to let a kitchen gadget go. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just the cost or if it's just like, I, like you said, I should be using this. Yeah. What would you say to someone who's like, I, I don't have the space to store it? Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know why I just feel guilty getting rid of this. Yeah, I would say marketing is very convincing. Like a few years ago, it was the Instant Pot. And it was like, Instant Pots will save dinner time. You can make dinner in it every single night. And it's so versatile and it practically cooks dinner for you, right? And everyone's talking about the Instant Pot. And I get an Instant Pot and I'm like, it's fine. I have a few go-to recipes. I kind of don't like how everything's mushy and everything has like one onion and one thing of chicken broth in it. You know, it like kind of all starts to say to taste the same after a while. But what do I think? I think 
there's something wrong with me because for everyone else, the Instant Pot is helping them eat healthier and cook faster and all of this, right? And so I'm like, there's something wrong with me. And then, so now I'm like going on Pinterest looking for new recipes and I'm trying to force fit this item into my life. And then I like, I had to stop myself and stand back and I'm like, what if it it just doesn't fit me right now? What if it's not for me? But again, I had built it up in my head with the help of marketing and these influencers to believe that it was the best thing ever. So surely there's something wrong with me if I'm not using it and using it every night for dinner. I love that example because one, it's just, it's so personal in the kitchen because I, I just got a new Instant Pot because my Instant Pot broke a while ago and I've like missed it ever since. So okay. it's just yeah. funny how it's so, mm -hmm. it's so personal, probably something that you use, I might not use. So that's why I love like when talking about decluttering and I think the way that you talk about it as well, it's just so personalized and talking about these mindset shifts, like everyone has to take it and apply it as they will in the kitchen. Yeah. Looking at things that you've bought that you think you should have used, if you mm -hmm. think you should be using, yeah, but they're just not actually working for you. They're maybe mm -hmm. making more work for you or taking up too much space. Yeah. Like the thing has already been bought. Yeah. You've already done the damage. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so letting it go, that's, that's not where the problem lies. That's not really where the block should be. And we want our kitchens to make us feel good. So if I'm always seeing the thing that I spent, uh, you know, $200, on that doesn't make us feel good right again the messages this stuff tells us is like well you're irresponsible with your money and you're impulsive and you're not trustworthy or all these negative things right and so let's just move it out and not have to be mocked by it anymore and like i actually really like being in my kitchen now i didn't used to like to cook or clean my kitchen now i kind of enjoy being in it and it's really easy to keep it clean and so that to me is worth it even you know maybe the money i spent on some of these items yeah, so good. Okay, well, the next place I want to talk about one more area of our homes that we can kind of change our mindsets about, and that is kid stuff. So like mm -hmm. you said, you had, at, whenever you first started with minimalism, you had four kids under four. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole slew of things that come along with that, right? Like, oh, do I need to keep this because I want to pass it down? Or, yep. you know, how much stuff can I store? And you just end up with bins and bins of yes. stuff or just like a toy room that continually gets added to and mm -hmm. never doesn't even have space to even move in it at some right. point or another. So yeah. what are some mindset shifts that you've had to have around the kid things? Yeah. Let's talk about like sentimental stuff with kids and then like yeah. toys and that kind of stuff. So yeah, perfect. A, a tool that has been super helpful for me is to have a memory bin or box for each of our kids. So they each have a Rubbermaid container that is their memory box. And that's where I put the super special things. So the outfits they wore home from the hospital, the hospital bracelets, little hats, um, and then just anything else special that has now happened in their life. Now, it's a limited container, right? It's not huge, but how I look at it is that I'm curating a special collection of things that we en enjoy going through together, whether it's now when they're still young and growing up, but also something then that they'll get to take with them. So when they're getting married or having kids, now they have a special collection that's from their childhood that they can relive with their families. The key to it though, is that it's a very manageable amount because you know, most of us, like if our mom called and was like, Hey, I have 18 totes of stuff from your childhood. We'd be like, mom, I don't want it. Right. Like I don't want it. I, there's a very few select things that I like to revisit from my childhood. I don't want it. 
our kids are overwhelmed with stuff all of the time. They don't want it either. And it can be very disappointing for a lot of moms when they're like, but why don't they want all their baby clothes and all of this and their stuffed animals? And it's just too much. And so I see it as a gift that I can give my kids to create this special collection that then, again, we love going through it now, but again, it's not an overwhelming amount. When I had bins and bins of baby clothes and all of their artwork and all of that, we didn't ever go through it because it was too much. Now we take them out like probably every six months and go through it and it's so much fun. Yeah, I love that idea of that mindset shift of doing it for them. That's what we think we're doing when we're saving everything. But yeah, if we think about it the other way around, like what would we actually want? How would we actually feel with all this mm-hmm. stuff? Yeah. Um, we If we feel overwhelmed with the stuff already and, and we're pursuing decluttering, like why wouldn't mm-hmm. we want that for our kids to just yeah. be less overwhelmed with stuff in the future? So Dawn and I were just talking about how the kitchen can become a clutter trap. So that's why for me, it's important to equip my kitchen with simple, versatile tools that are quality, like a good set of pots and pans. I have been searching for a much needed new set and I wanted to find nonstick pans that I could feel safe using. I have been in love with the set that I chose from Green Pan, and I'm so grateful that today's episode is sponsored by Green Pan so I can tell you more about them. Green Pan introduced the world to ceramic nonstick cookware, and they have over 150 patents to prove it. So why does making cookware with ceramic matter? It doesn't emit fumes when it's cooked, it conducts heat evenly, it's super easy to clean, and it also allows you to cook with less oil or butter. The best part is you can be sure that you love them, and that's what I love about Green Pan. They have a 60-day return policy, so you have plenty of time to try them out and make sure that Green Pan is right for you. I love that Green Pan cookware is easy to clean. That's probably one of my favorite things about it is how quick the cleanup is. I do not find it enjoyable to just like spend all this time scrubbing my pots and pans. I like to keep things not only simple in the kitchen, but also quick. Plus the nonstick feature of these pans is amazing. I've just finally found the pots and pans that I've been searching for for years and I'm really grateful for that. It's 2023. Are you still cooking with pans made of plastic? You can head to greenpan.us and use promo code minimalish and you'll receive 30% off your entire order, plus free shipping on orders over $99. That's right, 30% off. Whether you buy one pan or a whole set, 30% off. So head to greenpan.us and make sure to use our promo code minimalish. Yeah. Okay, so what about the toys? Oh, toys. Um... I have researched this so much because I don't ever want to misguide any parents, right? But what I've experienced in my own life, what I have read and learned about is that kids thrive in highly simplified environments. Um, Kids are very overstimulated right now. We live in a very stimulating world. And so I really want my house to be a haven, like a place where we can all come home and let our guard down. And so Kids don't need toys to be creative and to be engaged and play. They just need their imagination. So that has been a huge shift. They don't need toys. They just need their imagination because you've seen this, right? And the joke is always like at Christmas, like, oh, the kids would rather play with the boxes than the toys they got, right? But there is so much truth to that. Like kids are very naturally creative. And I I feel like we hinder that when we're like, oh, here's these toys that make noise and do it for you. And um, they're very specific and they're kind of overwhelming. And there's 800 of them, right? Like our kids are most happy when they have simple toys like Legos and blocks and magnet tiles. 
but mostly actually when they have cardboard and masking tape and some markers. Like that is where I see my kids the most content and truly engrossed in play. And if you research it and look into it, kids that have very few toys, um, they're more engaged in play. They're more creative. They have better social skills. They get along better with other kids. I know for our four kids, they play much better in a highly simplified environment. And so it is the exact opposite of what marketing tells us. Marketing tells us like, if your kids can't play on their own, it's because you haven't found the right toy. So buy this toy or buy that toy, or you need the Barbie dream house, or you need, you know, whatever the new thing is, and then they'll be engaged. And that is the exact opposite. Yeah. I think of this Christmas, my daughter wanted a Gabby's dollhouse toy so badly. And I, I knew that that (laughs) was not going to be played with if it came into our house, but the grandparents, Mm -hmm. especially my dad, he, he had to give her what she wanted. So he got her this Gabby's dollhouse and it's okay. We have space for it. It has not been played with not even once. So I know it will, you know, and my mom knew it as well because we had conversations about it, but <laughs> I know it will get decluttered yeah. sooner or later. How, what do you say about that? Like when we get gifts from grandparents yeah. mm-hmm. and feel like guilty for... Oh, like, yeah. Like, I mean, I very distinctly remember I on one side of our family, like it's kind of almost like it's a contest or it was for a while, like which grandparent could get like the biggest, noisiest thing for the kids. Right. And so then one time a grandparent came over and I could tell they were like looking around to be like, where is that thing? And finally they asked and, you know, our six-year-old at the time was like, oh, mom donated it. Right. And that is like the, like, biggest fear right there, right? Like the kids are going to tell them we donated. And you know what? It was a little awkward. Um, I I felt a little bad just because they had spent money on it and now we didn't have it any longer. But ultimately, like my house has to be peaceful. Like it has to be a safe place for me to be, the kids to be. And if there are toys that just aren't serving a purpose that no one is using, we keep it for a little bit and then we sell it on Marketplace or we donate it. And now the grandparents have learned like, Um, Often they'll ask me first, you know, they're really good at giving experience things now, or at least consumable things or things that are smaller. And so it was just kind of like this awkward season where I I felt like we just had to go through it. Like, you know, I tried to give suggestions. Some people took them, some didn't. Um, I tried like ahead of time, you know, but before birthdays and Christmas to be proactive and send out text messages and like, oh, Maggie would really like this this year. or Maggie's really into Play-Doh or, you know, they love getting new stuff for the bathtub, like trying to think of every consumable thing I can think of, (laughs) you know, but at the end of the day, there is only so much we can do. Those things will come in. It is your house and you have to protect that atmosphere in there. And so for us, we let those things go. There might be some awkward moments, but you'll get through it. And I mean, that was many years ago now. Now I can laugh about it. And it's, it didn't ruin our relationship. It didn't re- ruin the relationship of the kids with their grandparents. And so it was fine. Yeah. And I think too, like if we keep it around for a little bit, mm-hmm. like, and give our kids the chance to play with it or show us if they want to play with it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lesson that if we are decluttering, we are learning that stuff has, it doesn't serve a purpose for us forever, right? Yes. And that's why we, if, if we keep it around forever, yes, what, that's what good. does that do to our homes? You know, that just totally. makes it a very stressful environment to mm-hmm. be in. So yeah. I think, 
as we're learning that and as we have those hard conversations with others, like maybe mm-hmm. it can be something that they learn along the way. Maybe yes. not. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. But I think yeah. a lot of I think a lot of older generations, like they, they just, you know, think differently about those things and they grew up in a different time. They would have loved to have those things. Right. Like, and and my mom will say, I'm the Nana. Like I get to like have this, like I get to give your kids presents and gifts. And she did it for a little while. And then even she began to learn that like, they are so overwhelmed with stuff. Like kids today don't need more stuff. They're lonely. They need time with actual human beings, you know? And I'm like, mom, Mm. like so fun that you got the kids that stuff. Like you got the reaction you were looking for. They thought it was awesome when they opened it, but like really what they want is time with you. And I had to like, keep reiterating that, like spend time with them, do crafts with them, bake cookies. Like that is what they actually want. And some grandparents don't have that confidence, right? Like they don't believe that maybe that is actually what the kids would want is time with them. Um, But that's something else I've been really intentional about now is like talking things out with my kids or with my kids around, you know, like this is why I'm decluttering this. This is why I'm getting this out of the kitchen. Oh shoot. I bought that. And now I kind of wish I hadn't like, let them know, like we make mistakes sometimes, but that doesn't mean I have to keep it. Right. And so we try to just make this like very every day. And now they're, they're pretty good about decluttering too. And it's gotten much easier over the years as it's just normal language in our house. Yeah, so good. Well, the last question I have, other than I ask two questions every guest, so I'll have you stick around for those. But the last question I have kind of about these mindset shifts is, are there any mindset shifts that have helped you with not bringing more Mm -hmm. into your home after that kind of initial declutter? Yeah, I think you know, I don't know if you experienced this, but like, as I was really decluttering, I started to develop like this aversion towards stuff because, you know, when we're decluttering, we're kind of faced with like every wrong buying decision that we've ever made. I mean, it's very sobering. Right. And I just remember thinking like, wow, I thought, you know, these skin products are going to make me look younger and these clothes were going to make me look thinner. And these toys were going to occupy the kids and these appliances were going to solve dinner time. And Um, I think I am just so much more aware now of the impact of marketing and influencers. And so I'm like, now I, I will let things sit in the cart online for a long time. Even just recently we went to the thrift store to get the, our two youngest, like some clothes for karate. And, and like, I like saw this cake stand there and I'm like, I think I would really like that. And like, I left it there and I'm like, if I, if I like can't get out of my mind, I will go back and get it. Right. And our 10 year old, he was like, but mom, how will you know that it's still there? And I'm like, well, you know, it's just a risk I'm willing to take. Right. And so like, I'm just, I'm really slow to bring stuff into our house now because I don't, I don't want to have to declutter it again. I don't want to have to, you know, have to decide, oh, should I keep it? Should I not? I don't want to have to feel guilty about the purchase I made. And so I just buy so much differently now. Yeah, I think that is just the best advice ever of just like slowing down because Mm -hmm. it's so easy to purchase things quickly in our Mm -hmm. culture. Like, yeah. There's one click purchasing, not mm. only on Amazon, but like everywhere, everywhere now. now right? <laughs> like, yeah. So it's, it's so easy to be impulsive and just slowing down is a huge, I think a huge lesson that minimalism has taught me in just my life in general, but it, especially with stuff, just yeah. slowing down with what I bring in. Like I said earlier, we just moved and our house is very, the house we moved into is not 
updated. Like, I mean, it's like some of the light fixtures are probably still from the 50s. So I know I want to replace all the light fixtures in this house, but I am so slow to make even like a $30 light fixture yeah. purchase mm -hmm. because they're just like, I, I don't know. Maybe sometimes it, it gets to like overthinking everything, <laughs> but I think it's better off than just like, okay, the first one I saw, I kind of yeah. like it. Like, I just want to mm -hmm. get this old one out of here. So let's go for it. Well, and I think we just start to realize that the stuff doesn't make us happy, right? Like I think in the past I would have thought like, oh, if my house is fully updated and when it's done, like I'm just going to love it. Or if I get just the right things. And then I think that's probably one of the best things about minimalism is like, I feel like I could live anywhere now and be completely content. It's fun to update and do those things. But at the end of the day, I think I could be content anywhere now. And that's yeah. a fun place to be. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And I think that that's a huge thing for us because we're not like very big into like home DIY renovations. So in the past, we've always been like, we need to move into like a, you know, sure. move in ready, mm -hmm. already updated home. Yeah. And we could make that choice to just be like, yeah, we'll, we'll put some paint on the walls and like, mm -hmm. let things sit how yeah. they are for until we're ready until yeah. it's in the budget, you know, yeah. and we'll be we'll be okay here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is what is something that you're simplifying right now? I'm actually making another pass through my kitchen right now. Just even like, I just realized like, like the coffee pods don't really fit in the drawer well because I have my like tea organizer and I'm like, Dawn, you drink tea like once every two weeks. Why is over half the drawer taken up? Like, it's just these things I'm like, like every area of my kitchen needs to be so functional right now because we are just in a busy season. And so I've just been making another pass through my kitchen. Like if we're not using it, if it doesn't fit well, like either like what can move, what can go out, or is there even just a little bit more organization that I need to put in place? And um, the good thing is now I have a lot of confidence in decluttering the kitchen because I know anything I've moved out in the past or donated, I have not missed at all. And so I'm like, just like make it serve us for this season we're in right now. Like our 13 year old is starting to like bake and cook. So she kind of has some of her own things now. And so I want those to fit well. And so it's amazing how like every season I feel like we kind of have to change things around in our kitchen, but being willing to do that and realizing there's nothing wrong with that. Like it's a, it's an okay thing. Maybe there's some things I'll just get rid of now. Um, even if I spent money on them, it's, it's a, a really great place <laughs> to be. And it actually makes it kind of fun then. Yeah. I love it. I love the idea of decluttering the kitchen being fun. Okay. And then the second question is what's something that you're loving right now? Um, reading fiction. I, people often ask like, can you like, do you have a book list to recommend? And I can't because I usually like, uh, with, with prime, you get like a free, like first reads every month, or I use like Kindle unlimited and I just find free books. And so honestly, two thirds of the books I read, I'm like, that was not a good book. Like I, I would not recommend it, but I had read a while back that reading fiction can reduce your stress level by up to 90%. If you read for just six minutes, six minutes, it is more impactful than meditation even because it just takes us to a different place. It gives our mind a break. And so, um, it is like kind of my go-to stress relief right now. And, um, yeah, it's, it's how I go to sleep at night. Like I can't, I can't go on social media or even Netflix. I have to just do something that shuts down my brain and lowers my stress level. So that's it for me right now. 
it makes sense because when you are reading fiction, I feel like at least for me, meditation is really hard. It's hard to get to that place where, yeah. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. but if I'm reading fiction, it's yeah, easy to get easy. to the place where I forget everything else. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a helpful conversation, just full of practical tips. I'm going to, like I said, direct people to your video where you dive deeper into just like a million mindset shifts that can help them <laughs> to declutter. But thank you so much for your time and thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you feel a little more ready and able to declutter your kitchen, your kids stuff, or anything in your home, whether you're doing it for the first time or just doing some maintenance decluttering. And I hope you really enjoyed today's episode and it just gave you a lot of tools to keep going wherever you're at in your journey in general. I love the memory box idea that Dawn shared. I actually do the same thing. I have two memory boxes that I keep for both of my kids. Well, one for each of them as of right now. And I have these kind of Rubbermaid file keeper boxes that I use for the memory boxes. Um, they're very simple and I just love the mindset shift while filling them up and while making decisions on what to put in there that these things that we keep for our kids, these like sentimental items, they're actually for them. Like one day, we're not gonna just keep these in our attics or corner of our house forever just for us to look through them, but we're, we're curating these things for them. So what would actually be special for them to look back on? What are your kids going to want to keep? And I think, you know, that question could make you even more like paralyzed in decision making. But I think if we just simplify it and think of the fact that we wouldn't want, like Don said, we wouldn't want six bags of stuff passed down to us or like six giant bins. We would just want the stuff that our parents felt were like the most special things, the, th the big heavy hitter things. That is all I have for today's episode. If you're really enjoying the show, I want to ask you for a quick favor. If you could rate or review the show, that just helps it get in front of more eyes, more ears. And anytime you share the show as well, helps invite others in to our minimalist community over here where we simplify our lives together. So I'm grateful for you for, for the time that you take to either review the show or also to share it or just to be here in general and listen in. I am grateful that you're here and I will talk to you again on the next episode.